Here we go. It is time to open up the Peacock and Williamson mailbag for week 11. Deshaun Watson officially out for the rest of the year. What does that mean for those Cleveland Browns? And who's going to play quarterback for those Browns? Regrading the Lions draft as well after their 7-2 and two start to the season. First round running backs. Are we back in on those? All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big shout out to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. We're actually going to reference a YouTube question here in our mailbag as well as those that came through on Twitter. Appreciate all you out there. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We go to Cleveland first. And the big news of the yeah. morning is that Deshaun Watson is done. Shoulder fracture in his shoulder, and he's going to have season-ending surgery. Deshaun Watson now out for the rest of the year for those Cleveland Browns who are in the thick of a playoff race right now, which means they're going to have to turn to another quarterback, and that is a dicey proposition as bad as Deshaun Watson has been throughout his Cleveland Browns career so far. He's still preferred to what the other options are, which is rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and I think we've seen a lot of what P.J. Walker is in the NFL, and, and he's a backup quarterback for a reason and it sounds like according to latest reports here on wednesday morning that it's going to be the rookie dtr getting the start for the cleveland browns matt yeah i mean big picture this just makes the watson trade all that much worse of course i mean and now he's a what 63 million dollar cap hit the next two seasons and you know he had an ankle last week he was in a boot after the game this shoulder thing apparently has never gone away I will say, and I'm on top of this, to be honest with you, because the Steelers go to Cleveland this week, so I've been all over the Browns. And I will say Watson's best half of football in a Browns uniform was probably the second half last week against the Ravens, you know, but so maybe there was some optimism there. And frankly, I felt like the Browns, who were favored, I don't know what the spread is now against Pittsburgh, if they win that game, they're a real strong contender for the playoffs because they don't have a real difficult schedule. That would be a huge conference and divisional win. Obviously that clouds things, but I know we're going to have a style play conversation later. This defense is awesome. I mean, it really is. And I think they can still hang around against bad teams. I think playing the Steelers will be a very telling game. That might be the first one to, six wins i mean it, it, it's gonna be a tough watch so real quick when i saw i woke up saw that watson news i'm like all right i gotta do all the pj walker homework i can to get ready for the steeler game so i can talk about him on the air and what i he's thrown 98 pass attempts so i took all the quarterbacks this year that had at least 90 attempts to, so that it would include them and he was last in yards per game completion percentage quarterback passer rating 
and 30th in yards per attempt. I mean, like, I thought he was bad, but I didn't think he was that bad, like the worst of all qualified quarterbacks. So go to Thompson Robinson. I mean, he played one game. He was miserable in that game. His his numbers for that one game, it was against a good Ravens team, are worse than Walker's are, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I think you know what Walker is, so you don't want him. Yeah, bigger sample of Walker and, and Walker. They've won some games. They beat the 49ers with Walker this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's – and actually this ties into another question, Matt, uh, about how games are won in today's NFL, especially for certain teams. I think it – the numbers for Walker are bad. We know who he is. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's a rookie. Played a lot of football in college at UCLA. Looked really good in the preseason. And a little bit – more context now versus Ray team makes that look a little bit better if that's the game he struggled in when you know it was sort of late notice that he was yeah. going to play in that game anyway so i think dpr is the only way to go for the browns and you have to hope maybe you develop even a future starter make sure he's your future backup the lead if it's a disaster you can always go back to pj walker but to me it's it's dr it's the only decision to be made for the browns I think it's more just a door number two is better than door number one. And maybe he developed, I mean, I liked the draft pick when it happened. I liked how he played in the preseason and thought, boy, that's a nice cheap backup for Watson, $63 million cap hit. And maybe he shows us he can do that, but they're going to have a tough go of it. I mean, their defense is super impressive. Um, They're going to have to win in the kicking game. They're going to have to win in the margins. They're going to have to create turnovers. And one thing about the Browns is, their turnover margin isn't bad because they, they create so many turnovers, but they give the ball away more than any team in the league. Like, you can't live with that. I'm going to go to the the Twitterverse here, and Mark has a question here, and it's framed with the Steelers, but I think it pertains to a lot of teams in the NFL and the Browns specifically. Uh, have the Steelers, this from Mark again on Twitter, have the Steelers found the formula to win in today's NFL? I believe there are six good, four bad and about 22 average teams mark says among the 22 it's really hard to win and the margins are razor thin between being six and three and three and six the Steelers play great special teams are conservative on offense few turnovers or drive stopping penalties while the defense creates splash and and sacks and turnovers basically keep it close with few mistakes Uh, a young team learning how to win in an any given Sunday league um, is that the recipe right now in the NFL, Matt, to swing that razor-thin razor thin margin in your direction, which is kind of the opposite of what we're seeing in a place like L.A. with the Chargers, right, where yeah, yeah. they're playing the opposite brand of football. And right now, the Browns and Steelers is the way you want to be playing, even if you're getting much worse quarterback play. So those two are great teams to talk about because it just so happens they're playing each other. One of the craziest things I dug up about the Browns in this uh, you know, advanced scouting stuff I do for them is by far more than any team in the league, they have run, hang with me for a second. This is crazy. Like the second best team in terms of play differential, you know, your offense's plays minus your defensive plays is 83. The Browns offense has played 166 more plays than their opponents have. You know what I mean? Like, so the Browns offense has been on the field. They've staffed the ball 166 more times than their defense has been forced to. 
That's like three games worth already. You know, <laughs> number two's at 83. I mean, if your offense is bad, give them three times as many opportunities and you may get it. Yeah, right. You know, and you're and at least your defense is fresh, you know, and less chance of injuries. You know, if so it comes back to me of really owning the clock, time of possession, which of course they're great at as well. You know, like there's a lot of talk about Browns Ravens this past week. How on earth could the Ravens lose that game? Well, the Browns ran 25 more plays than the Ravens. You know, you wouldn't think that because it was a very even game. And it just gives you more opportunities for weird stuff to happen or the Browns or the Ravens defense to start to really wear out in the fourth quarter. You know, like it's not necessarily an accident. And I have some crazy Steeler stuff, too, because this is obviously a very strange year for them. I mean, they're. They're 6-0 and right now in games decided by one score or less. They have nine straight victories in one-score games. I mean, their record in, in games with Kenny Pickett as a starter is 11-3. and I mean, that's the best with anyone that has five career starts in one-score games. And the key is Kenny has played in 22 career games. If he throws one interception, just one, they're 2-6. and six. If he doesn't throw an interception, they're 11 and three. Like, you can't tell me that that's an accident at this point. And so there's also a lot of talk. And Mike Sando, our buddy, put out an article as he does every Monday. And he was talking about Kenny Pickett and all his fourth quarter wonderfulness. And he, he, he's he got all these come from behind victories. But then he went on to show all the people in history that have six or more come from behind victories. And, yeah, there's some good ones like Roethlisberger's on there. But mostly they're bad quarterbacks. That doesn't mean you're going to turn out to be good. But then he, the, but what uh, Sando uncovered is how about this about Mike Tomlin, though? Ta- so 63 coaches since Tomlin was hired in 2007 have coached a, at least 30 regular season games as an underdog in Vegas. 63 of them. He's the only one with a winning record in those games. He's 42 and 41, not against the spread. As an underdog, out of 63 coaches, he's the only one with a winning record. The other 62 coaches win 33% of those games. Like, I used to think, because I am very into analytics, that things are going to come back to the mean. You, can, you know, One-score games aren't sticky, you know, like the, the Vikings last year. Until they are, and... Until you're good at it, maybe you know what I mean. Like Belichick right. had a really good record in one one score games. Right, exactly. And you, the the more talent you have, you have a superstar quarterback, then you're winning a whole bunch of games. And uh, yeah. even with bad team, and, yeah, you look at uh, you know a, a pretty good record. And you're you're hanging out at, at 500 if you're the the Patriots, and it and as long as everything's not a disaster, which it has become for the the Patriots now this year, then you're yeah, going to have enough. You're going to win some games and, and maybe more than you should. So there's definitely something to winning that razor thin margin in the NFL for the middle, which is very large right now. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I think if you gave Belichick a combination of Cam Hayward, Watt, Minka, Garrett, Delpit, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, he probably would be around 500 now too, even with a picket, Mac Jones, DL, yeah. you know, the type of guy, you know I mean? Like he just has nothing in his hand. Even the best poker player at least needs something in his hand. You know what I mean? Uh, next, we've got questions about the Detroit. Real quick, sorry. De- yeah. Denver's a great example. I mean, look at Denver. They're starting to get respectable. 
good yeah, established head coach, you know. That's, that's what you, that's what the hope is right now for Denver, yeah. and uh, and we'll see if that continues for them into next year and and for the rest of this year. Uh, next, we're talking Lions. We are talking who's the next coach potentially fired in the NFL this season. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And why not go to the place where there are the most job seekers? Everyone's already on LinkedIn. So post your job there. All you do is you put uh, your job to your purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills, the right experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and eventually hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel America's number one sports book and now is the time to join FanDuel and get a little special offer for our listeners as well for those new customers right now new customers at FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins that first money line bet so if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time to get in on the action than the second half of this NFL season the app is super easy to use. Uh, I love the 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 interface on either the the website uh, desktop style at fanduel.com slash locked on or on the app spreads, player props, over-unders, build your own parlays, and not just NFL football either, college football, NBA, NHL. About the next coach to be fired. You can find that uh, odds for that as well as the next Super Bowl champion and so much more at fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on 150 bucks in bonus bets. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll move along to the Detroit Lions and a question from uh, Kelly about the Lions and what they're doing right now. And if we need to rethink the idea about, you know, off ball linebacker running back uh, being not the way to go for a team in the first round, especially when you're trying to sprinkle in playmakers to a team that's already expected to be competitive. Here is what Jameer Gibbs has done the last three games, Matt. 51 attempts, 297 yards. That's 5.8 yards per carry. Three and a half of those yards per carry after contact per attempt, which is sixth in the league. 11 missed tackles forced, which is third in the league. Eight rushes of 10-plus yards. We saw him scooting around last week, creating big plays. That's why you bring in an explosive playmaker like Jameer Gibbs. That's tied for second, eight rushes of 10-plus yards. And then 9.8 percentage stuff rate, so less than 10% of the times are his runs stuffed over the last three games. That's fourth in the NFL, and that's just rushing, receiving as well. 17 catches, which is third, third in the league for running backs, and uh, nine first downs, seven missed tackles forced as a receiver out of the backfield, which is the one thing that we hadn't seen a lot of yet from Jameer Gibbs, and it was like, oh, man, he might even be as much receiver with David Montgomery in the background as he is a running back. So we're starting to see a little bit of that with Jameer Gibbs. What are your thoughts on the Lions draft, team-building strategy, and first-round running backs? Um, I've always been against the first-round running back thing. I still am. My mind hasn't changed uh, because, you know, there's Keaton Mitchell's doing things over the last three games as well, uh, if you want to start comparing guys that were drafted high and guys that were not. And I would point to the Lions' offensive line 
which is why they've had a lot of that success too. And that's where I would start with team building. Um, but you know, when you consider everything else they did and they traded back and they got, uh, Laporta and they got, uh, Brian Banks, which, um, uh, Brian Banks, second round pick, right? Brian Branch, not Deontay Banks. I, I got the two confused there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, overall it was a good draft. They got good players, but it's not enough for me to say, okay, never mind. Let's draft first round running backs and all fall linebackers. That's where I'm at. Where are you at, man? Yeah, I, I haven't really changed my tune, and I, I kind of feel like this tweet or X or whatever is fishing for an apology to Lions fans, like, hey, we were wrong. This really was a good draft. Because I don't think that's the way, and I don't mean to speak for you, but we had a lot of Lions talk post-draft, and I don't think you and I had any problem with any of the players. You know, I, I think it was more of a strategy thing, and frankly – I regret it now, but I picked Jack Campbell to be defensive rookie of the year, you know, so I kind of like put my money where my mouth was. Um, So they went. However, I think it's more about down the line. Like it's a great way to get a shot in the arm with Gibbs, Campbell, Laporta, Branch. And even in the third round, they took a nose tackle in Broderick Martin. Like that, that's also a low value position and a backup developmental quarterback in Hendon Hooker, which maybe that pays off. Maybe he turns into a star three years from now and you say, wow, you got the next, the next Dak Prescott in the third round or, you know, somebody like that. And he'll be 30 in three years, by the way. <laughs> that, that too. So <laughs> my point is if this class is enough to get you over the top and win it this year or become a contender, a serious contender, then yes, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a great class. Sure. Cause they are great players. But I also think if two, three years from now, internally, you're having the conversation of, man, we can't pay Hutchinson and Sewell. We got to make a pick. You're going to look back at this draft and be like, Maybe we should have taken a tackle at 34. You know what yeah. I mean? Or a defensive or, yeah. end. You know what I mean? Like that's Jaylen the Carter, ramification. Like, you, you, you need Jalen Carter's in the in the first round in the top 12 picks, not not running backs. And mm-hmm. you know, I'll bring up the Ke- Keaton Mitchell thing. And not to say that Keaton Mitchell's as valuable or as good and will have a good career like Jameer Gibbs, but um that's a thing you can find, right? You can find a yeah. fast running back, you can find a good running back. Um long term, it's just not you're not gonna you're not going to be collecting money on that return really when you're drafting a, a high running back and that's all it is it's not nothing against the player and no uh, he's a great player for them and i do think though if you're gonna spend on a running back sprinkling in the running back on top of a good team and a good foundation is definitely the way to go not trying to build around that running back and make it a foundational player for a, a long-term build yeah i mean they had the quarterback and especially the o-line in place so it made a little more sense for them than the Raiders would have done it or somebody like that. And I think both you and I would probably concede that a, I'm putting this in quotes, a weapon like Gibbs is more valuable as a first round pick than Najee Harris. Right. And everything he does as a receiver is, is going to add a ton of value there. Uh, You know, if you're getting first downs and if you're able to keep those guys healthy is also uh, a huge key as well. So Mm -hmm. good players. I like the draft overall. They had a lot of picks, um, but I still prefer their second round to their first round. I hear you. Yeah. Next, Matt, who's the next head coach to be fired in the NFL? Got some fantasy football questions as well from the Locked On uh, YouTube channel here for Peacock and Williamson. We'll get to those questions next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Prize Picks. 
Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. Prize Picks is the most fun you will have playing Daily Fantasy Football this season. And while you're having all that fun, guess what? You can win up to 25 times your money this football season. And again, it's easy, right? It's Daily Fantasy Made Easy. All you do, you select two or more players. You pick more or less on their projected stats at Prize Picks, And you place that entry. Place it in just a few seconds and turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks if you nail all of those more or less than picks and with basketball season here you can now combine those projections football plus basketball from the specials league at prize picks a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues for example lebron james plus travis kelsey a 10 and a half combo of three points made plus receptions have tons of fun playing combo football basketball tons of other sports at prize picks and you can get a very special offer right now, a deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash NFL or download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100 at PrizePix Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. So who's the next Head coach to be fired. Uh, Joey Bagadonet says, next coach to be fired this season, Brandon Staley or Sean McDermott? Uh, Jared asks the question, is Sean McDermott even a good coach? Because I have <laughs> doubts. So uh, what do we think? I mean, Sean McDermott, it was a job-saving move to scapegoat Ken Dorsey, which tells me Sean McDermott is safe. Now, uh, maybe after the season, something could happen with Sean McDermott. But if it's Staley or McDermott, I, I don't think there's any question. Brandon Staley's much hotter seat than than Sean McDermott right now and it's just the Bills kind of scrambling but as far as getting fired I don't think you go from man this team can win the Super Bowl to oh my gosh they're up 500 and this head coach is going to get fired I, I don't think it happens that quickly in the NFL um, Josh McDaniels aside I don't think there's any really obvious ones that are going to get fired like this week but uh, yeah. I mean, Brandon Staley has to be number one to me agreed I think McDermott is a good, not great coach. You know, I would not put him in the Pete Carroll Harbaugh tier, but I would put him below that. And I think he's also had very good rosters, which of course helps. So I'm scanning the league here. Patriots aren't going to do it in the midseason. I mean, there's no way. You, you, you can't fire Bill Belichick. No, it's that's an off season thing. He would no, never. 100%. Happen. Of course. I think the Chargers are the most likely, the second most likely for an in season one would be Washington for me and why I was thinking that regard. And it's a distant second, but maybe the owner wants to see Kellen Moore or Eric Bieniemy as his head coach for six, seven, eight games or whatever with the real intention of, we might just keep him as our head guy. You know, like we're thinking about making moves this off season. Bieniemy's really impressive. Moore's really impressive. We want to see if they're head coaching material. You know, like, let's at least do a trial run. I got a couple for you. Um, I got some others I jotted down, too. I would put them, I'd put all these guys behind Staley. I think Staley is number yeah. one. Uh, but I would go to the Bears. Yeah. Um, that's a tough one because Poles and Iberflus came in together. So does ownership come in and say, eh, don't like the direction. Coach GM both gone. Do they say Poles? Got to get rid of the coach. Does Poles say, eh, maybe I made a bad decision with head coach. Let's, uh, you know, give somebody else a try here interim. I don't think it's very likely, but they would probably have to be on the list. 
Uh, I would put Dable suddenly on the list. He goes from coach of the year to hot seat. I think just the, how ugly things have been and just seeing him on the sideline. Uh, something's very weird and wrong there compared to what we saw before, but uh, I'd rather have Dable than Aberflus. You know what I mean? So uh, it's hard to say that um, he wouldn't have some grace period to, to try to figure this thing out next year. But if the giants are this bad next year, then goodbye. I think, um, the Panthers, I mean, I don't know. I've heard some rumblings that maybe Frank Reich could potentially be canned, but like, what are you even doing then? How did you? Mm-hmm. And there's talk that Frank Reich actually liked CJ Stroud and it was ownership that liked Bryce Young more. And if that turns out to go the way that things are looking right now early and it is way too early to crown anybody, um, you know, maybe there's like a I told you so element there, uh, a, a disappointment in how. Bryce Young's been developed, so I could see him being uh, a hot seat candidate. But it's like, what are you doing? It's too early. You you you, you abandoned ship already. Uh, but I would go to Tampa. I would think maybe for number two for me, just because the writing might be on the wall. Um, I know they're kind of still in it, and I would probably put I probably put Arthur Smith and in, in the Atlanta Falcons in the same bucket. They can't lose this week, so you're not going to get fired this week necessarily. But um, I think both those teams, they're, that division's bad enough that when you're a game under 500, you're still close, but you start getting two, three games under 500 and it starts to look really bad and you don't see the uptick and you know you're going to make a change anyway. I could see Tampa and the Atlanta Falcons being teams that, uh, that, that fire their head coaches before the end of the season. If they're in different divisions, maybe it would be coming in the next couple of weeks, potentially. Hey, you stole a lot of my thunder because those are the names. I, I actually had categories. I had the Kellen Moore Biennemi category, you know. Okay. I also have the Atlanta Tampa category, but they're all together in that they're middling, you know, and that's probably more of an off-season thing. Are you getting the most out of the team? Are you really the guy to take us to the next level and win this crappy division? You know, the whole, I, let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah. And I do think part of the uh, – I think what happened in – Las Vegas is interesting because the interim was very obvious, not to us on the outside, but inside the building. Antonio Pierce was making speeches to the team for his head coach, right? Yeah. And so, and so maybe in Washington, you look at Eric Bieniemy, you think, okay, well, I like the way the things are going on offense right now with the young quarterback. Let's let him be the interim the rest of the way and kind of evaluate yeah. there. If you don't have that, like in Chicago, you're going to go to Luke Getzey as your head coach. You're going to be like, who's going to, who's going to be your interim there. It might not make as much sense as maybe, maybe some other teams that might have a guy internally where they're like, Oh, I want to see this guy have an interim, you know, month and a half. Yeah. I think more and the enemy fit that mold at least within San Diego and Washington or LA and Washington. So my other categories are, Packers and Bills I lumped together in that head coaches that have won a lot of double-digit seasons, but things aren't going well. I mean, at least their seats are warm. And they would get hired very quickly if they were fired. And and I think they would – I guess you have to put them on the list, but they're just so far down at the bottom to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I put Bears and Panthers together in that let's see what Fields does now the rest of the year. Let's see if Young gets better the rest of the year. But I also think there might be a McCown factor there in Carolina that maybe he's in that the enemy, Ken, you know, Kellen Moore conversation. And if you recall, remember way back when, before the draft, McCown's mm-hmm. sitting there talking to CJ Stroud, like, 
ah, we'll play more pickup hoops when you're in Carolina or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. You, you know, that was, don't <laughs> yeah. forget that. You know the what I mean? Staff, I think like Stroud, there's something to that. There's at least some evidence there. And I don't know how true it is and you know, how they all came together with the, with the decision, uh, what the personalities were like when they were in the building and ownership overrode them, or if it was close enough that it was a tiebreaker. Um, but they traded all the way up. You had to be so convinced if you traded yeah, all the way up to get that guy. Um, so that, that's an interesting one for for Carolina. I also kind of lumped Dayball a little bit with Belichick, which is weird because one guy's a one-year head coach and one guy's yeah. the greatest ever. <laughs> but in that he is coach of the year, but their teams are embarrassing. Those two teams are embarrassing. Owners don't like being embarrassed. Yes. Uh, last one. This is a quick one. We're going to go to YouTube with uh, a fantasy football question. And this is from Steven. He says, uh, my fantasy league is so unimportant to the general public. So if you skip this one, I understand. We're, we're going to get to it anyway, because I like the question. Uh, he <laughs> said, I wanted Matt to explain why total points should be the tiebreaker in any fantasy league over head-to-head or inner division record. Uh, you have zero, zero control over your opponent's scores. It's not like you have a, you're rolling a defense out there against them. And so, therefore, total points is the perfect indicator of how good your fantasy team is. That should be the lone tiebreaker in fantasy leagues. Matt, your thoughts? Couldn't agree more. And therefore, use decimal scoring so you don't have a tie that's a tie, you know, mm-hmm. like, which is rare either way. But my home league, this is how we divvy up the money, is if you have total points, you get 50% of the pot. That's the biggest gain. Super Bowl winner gets 35%. Super Bowl loser gets 15%. So often somebody gets two. You know, if you win, if you're total points, there's a good chance you're in the Super Bowl. But I think there's more skill to putting up points than there is beating your opponent. Oh, no so, doubt. Yeah. You know, total of points. Not only should total points be the tiebreaker, it should maybe be the first factor. And then your head to head. That's what it is in ours. Right. That's right. the biggest yeah. reward. And, totally then, agree and you can win both, possibly. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Apologies to the questions we did not get to. We get so many great ones every single week. We appreciate all the everydayers out there. Hit us up on Twitter, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, anytime throughout the week to get involved in the mailbag or just say hi. And, of course, subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Matt and I back tomorrow. We're starting to make picks for Week 11. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.